Hello and welcome to Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the Life You Want. This is Jasmine. I want to thank you for listening yet again to an episode. And I want to um, ask you to share, to share these episodes that I am recording with these wonderful people that I'm meeting. Um, because I have a new goal, guys. I have a new goal. I want to have one episode go to a hundred downloads in the first 30 days. Like I've got a lot of downloads, but I just, this is my new goal. So I figured I was going to enroll you guys into helping me do this. (laughs) Go girl. I'm on. (laughs) There you go. That being said, everybody today, I have Lewis Brown Griggs with me. Hi, Lewis. Hi. Um, guys, I'm going to tell you how I met Lewis. I met Lewis uh, just now. <laughs> I talked to him like maybe uh, uh, five minutes before this. Lewis is actually the husband. Is it the husband or the years uh-huh. I married? He's the husband of a client of mine. And she was like, Jasmine, you got to talk to Lewis. And I said, okay. And there you go. We're here. <laughs> and um so, Louis, before I start, because I have questions, uh, before I start, can you maybe share a little bit with my listeners who you are, where you come from, what you do? Yeah. Um, that reminds me of the left corner of my favorite painting of Gauguin, which in French says, where do we come from, who are we, and where are we going? Okay. How, does they, how do they say it in French? You know, that's my first language, right? Oh, no. Well, guess what? It was my four years of high school French, which means I never learned to speak it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I get it. I was just teasing. No, okay. Yes. So, um, <sighs> so California, for sure. Yeah, I, the, it, it's my path. We're all on a path, and I like to say we all come through different doors, and whatever path we need to get on, we end up learning many of the same things. And eventually, once we get it all, we've learned the truth, no, the essence, the the best. And none of us is perfectly there yet. And so here's my path. I came from a uh, 14-generation, all-English family since the Mayflower, and uh, a family that after six generations in New England, helped create the state of Minnesota. And that entrepreneur was was such an entrepreneur that after he did that, he helped create the state of Washington. Okay. (laughs) All with lumber, et cetera, and and sending food from the Midwest across. And um, with that history, they were so proud of all their leadership and all their success um, and very proud that the entrepreneur who created it all was also a colonel in the Civil War. So, of course, they never believed in slavery, never had any. But did I ever hear anything about what happened to the Native Americans? No. Mm-hmm. No, I played on Minnehaha Park or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we know we all have histories, okay? We all have histories. African, Asian, Caucasian, whatever we are. And they all have periods of which we're not responsible. 
but the ownership of which and the recognition of which is wise. So I do understand that having been raised like that, from that background, I was raised in pure privilege, private schools, all paid for, Amherst College, Stanford Business School, and et cetera. And yet, um, the reason then that I need to be called through my biggest learnings, not only in normal life crises like we all have, but in three near-death experiences, is because I had to get hit pretty hard to get it. And so, having been raised that way, the first hit came when I totaled my car. And here How old were you when you? you know, I was then. It was March 11, 77, and I was then. 29 years old, mm. uh, here in Berkeley, California, where I now live. Mm. I have lived in the Bay Area for 40 years. And I told my car, and I was called immediately through what we call the tunnel, all the way into the light. Now, many people, I've done near-death workshops along the way, uh, watch the surgery or watch the accident or, or talk to deceased loved ones. I had none of that. I was called all the way through the tunnel. And by the way, I did a TED talk on this. You can also listen to called The Gift of Near Death, okay, on my YouTube page or anywhere, The Gift of Near Death. Anyway, and in the light where I discovered and experienced, I was in what I call the source of all energy, all light, all love, all knowledge, all consciousness from which we all come. And of which we are all one. Now, I just got that. I just felt that. No one told me that. And so I know in my experience, that's where we come from and where we go. So I'm not afraid of death any longer. Um, I love living, though. Mm -hmm. uh, so next time I leave, I'm coming back fast. Um, <laughs> but what I learned there was not only what I just said. We are all, we're all one. But if you really can even believe that, that we all come from the source, what's the we? Well, our souls. Well, Buddha's call it something else, but our essence, our core. If we all came from a similar source and we all humans have it, that might mean you're open to prior lives. Well, if you're open to prior lives, it's just a concept. That means last night, last time you weren't in that body and I wasn't in this one. That's pretty deep. But if you can really imagine that, that we're all one and uniquely different this time in the only DNA in the history of life on Earth, then we are simultaneously one at the spiritual level and uniquely different in these bodies, in these lifetimes, with our life experiences and our DNA, etc. Okay? Our education, our melanin, our culture, our gender, those are all just parts of ourselves. So the reason that was important for me to have that experience is that I also had a conversation there. Not everybody does. Conversations with God is the name of some books. Um, so call it what you will. Conversation with source, conversation with self at your core. Whoop, doesn't matter. You go where we need to go. The conversations asked me, Lewis, or told me first, you are called here to have this conversation and to be sent back because you're not doing your work. Well, I was at a good time because in my late 20s, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. So in a way, I knew I wasn't doing my work. So when I was told that, that I wasn't doing my work, I said, well, then 
take me, I'm yours, I'll do your work. And the answer was, no, Lewis, it's not my work you need to do, it's your work. And I went, well, what is my work? And I got a question back, not an answer. What is it that keeps you from being all you're capable of being? Now, the reason that sounded so deep and unanswerable to me is that the way I was raised in privilege, I could do whatever I wanted, thought. But that's not the same as what does it take to be your authentically true core self so that you could be more fully all you are capable of being. And I didn't know. Because I had just been whatever that culture wanted me to be, right? Be successful in that tribe. That's what we all do to survive as children, anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I had to go deeply, and I had to say, well, the way I was raised, and so the reason I told you how I was raised is so that you would get this part. The way I was raised, I was told we're all one under God, but I was also told that you're different. You're better than. You have more privilege. Noblesse oblige. You must give back. But that idea that I was somehow better than bothered me because I knew at the soul level, I never felt that way. I never felt arrogant. I just felt lucky with privilege. But what I noticed to be more conscious and self-conscious was I knew every time I met anybody different, not that didn't look or be just like me, that I didn't know how to relate to them across the bridge, as we say, whereas all of them had learned how to talk to people like me in my tribe. In this continent, it's not only how white women learn to deal with men. So yes, Jasmine, you know even that one. But anyone who is not white or is different in any way had to learn how to act in the common denominator way. It was basically created in this patriarchal way by straight white Anglo yuppie wasps because <laughs> the ones who came from the Mayflower even thought the ones who came later weren't white enough from Italy <laughs> uh, from Germany and I don't know about the Scandinavians they were even whiter so they got Minneapolis but, but I stayed in St. Paul <laughs> anyway mm -hmm. but yeah and the whole word white was created by Americans, as we know, some of us have studied history, to deal with racism. And, you know, they don't look like us, so let's call them black, we're white. But, but if we were trying to define what was acceptable as white, can you imagine the challenge for the Anglos to, to wonder what to do with the Italians, who definitely had brown eyes, not blue eyes, and they're darker, darker melanin a little, etc. So... To be raised with that kind of um, both privilege and arrogance and ethnocentrism, which is what I'm getting to, the ignorance of being able to do the bridging and see the oneness in one another and experience the differences as gifts to one another was what I experienced in the white light was my weakness. And a weakness has always the opportunity to grow and become a strength, right? Because I can only teach what I had to learn myself. So... When I said, I don't know how to relate across differences, I was told by this voice, well, then there it is, Lewis, there's your work. Precisely because it's what I didn't know how to do. And I was sent back down, and immediately, after landing in the car, putting on these tight gloves, 
it felt like to have come back into the body. I felt like those tight gloves that don't quite fit. And then when they're finally on, and the white light disappeared, and I was sitting undamaged in a totally damaged automobile. And I walked out with no physical pain and told the ambulance, there's nothing wrong. And doors started to open that I had nothing to do with. That was, as you heard before, a new experience for me because I used to think I could do whatever I wanted. So for it to feel a door open that I didn't open, I at least now was conscious enough to feel the to feel it as an opportunity through which I should go and into which I, I should ex through which I should experience and learn whatever I needed to learn here and contribute in whatever way I could. So, so now you're so now you're teaching. Is that where well, now now I now I couldn't teach what I hadn't learned, but yes. Now, I, and then my global wife and I started, because of that, the first diversity training in the country in 1982 to teach straight white men like me who don't get it how to get it. <laughs> okay. And I'm an expert because it takes one to know one and no shame, no blame. I've discovered so, the gift of being able to relate across all our differences and then take those relationship skills, the personal level, not the interpersonal, not the not yet not that becomes next, not the policies and practices, not the systemic, all of that's necessary. But legal compliance doesn't do it. As everybody knows, it doesn't look like this. Personal intimacy and trust and, and authenticity leads to interpersonal relationships, which leads to teamwork that accomplishes the gifts, we're, the goals we're trying to accomplish by valuing the differences we bring to one another. It's that simple. And that's mm -hmm. what I had to learn. That's so, the first one. So you can ask questions if you wish, and I'll go to the second one when you want. But that's the business. Well, I'm more interested in, in what you've seen. Like, I see that. So you're talking about the event, right? Um, but what, like, the event was just one moment, right? Totally. What What have you seen? Yeah. What... Because it, it wasn't like, I'm sure it wasn't, like, if it was, then I have no idea. But I, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like all of a sudden you, you came out and that was it, right? That all of a sudden you got this and, and you had to go through steps. Like, what is it that you've seen? So, like, what I'm hearing is, like, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, this is how my life is and just not knowing not knowing how the other side lived kind of kind of yeah, exactly. thing you know exactly so but it it wasn't the near death experience or it wasn't the conversation that transformed that for you that, that's correct it took a lot of different learning and the first one I now in hindsight can say was uh, some international business uh, meeting I had where I realized, God, they're all speaking my language and I don't know theirs and they know more about me. And so the first five years of our work was international cultural differences because those vast cultural differences are so strong that we can't ignore them and deny them. Okay. Whereas as 60s kids, we did learn to ignore and deny all differences simply by thinking we were so progressive that, of course, we want to be equal and we treat everybody the same. But 
But Jasmine, when treating everybody the same only means I want to treat you as if you're a straight white male wasp and want to be treated the same way I do, means I'm not hearing you, seeing you, or anything. So after five years of international diversity training, it's like a trap door opened in my head and my heart, and I got it. And I went, oh, my God, if I'm that ethnocentric overseas, what about right here at home with Jasmine? What about right here at home with a black, an Asian, a Latin, older, younger, gay, straight, you know? And so we shifted it. We shifted the whole focus to valuing diversity, domestic U.S. diversity, and that we can't live with legal compliance of AAEO rules and quantification of how many of that color we've got. We have to learn to actually value the differences that we each bring. So my first book we created was called Valuing Diversity. Valuing our diversity, not tolerating it. Yeah. The diversity being gifts. And then we just opened a door that in this country hadn't been opened. About but isn't it, isn't it like, isn't it just literally, I'm sorry, my cat decided that he was coming I to love, join the I conversation. Uh, Frankie? Um, so isn't it just like, basically acceptance, acceptance of others, just the way they are and the way that they are not? Yes, it's a part of it. And I do such personal work, I had to, sorry, with myself, that I notice even my accepting your cat that I don't like or accepting that a woman who can't think like I do as being who you are, you can hear the tone of voice of that. That Yeah, well, I think that that's just pretending to accept. I think that's that's right. Tolerating. And that's tolerating. <laughs> yeah. And that's what too many people do. Yeah. And that's why they thought that was enough. Yeah. It's not. It's really so funny. Good. It's yeah. so funny, Lewis. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share something with you. So good. I had this conversation with a girlfriend of mine. And so there, you know, in the, in the three principles world, you know, I started talking to you about this before. Uh, in the three principles community, we kind of like go... There's mind, thought, consciousness, and the thought is kind of like it's already it's it's already something that we've created. It's already created, yeah. right? And then we can and then we can from there we can build and build and build and make it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I I have this habit. I've I've started very young, where I was like, okay. I'm not going to think about this because I'm going to go crazy if I think about that. I had anxiety and I, I learned quickly early that if I focused on a specific thought, a specific thing, I could grow the anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so I would just not think about things. There are things that I would just not think about. Not going to think about it. Not going to stress. Right. And that, that acceptance tolerance then kind of got me there back there because one of the things I saw this week was that I thought I wasn't thinking about something, but it's not that I wasn't thinking about something. (laughs) It's that I was ignoring something. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Exactly. Right. It's kind of like, but it has a different color. Like you said, right. It has a different feeling it has a different tone to us I, like and i should have clicked because i was pissed <laughs> you know when you're pissed off and you're like ah, i'm not gonna think about this yeah i should have clicked 
but I didn't because for me, when you're touching the truth, when you're touching something that is inherently true for you, for everybody, it just, it's, it's, it's a gentle, it's a gentle feeling. It's a, oh yeah. Yeah. I was an asshole there. It's like notice. It's like I love the word notice. Just when I can just notice that something I said to you or did has triggered you to feel not so good. That could be a hundred percent your history and your problem. It could be a hundred percent me and my being a jerk and my problem. Could be fifty-fifty. Who cares? What I like to notice is wow. What is my part? Because I can't fix you. Only you can work on you. I have to look at what is it? The way I said it is my cultural way. You know, no shame, no blame. Just my intention is not the same as my impact. And yeah. that's... There, that, that played a little bit for me. I It was a little bit... Um, yeah. It was a little bit... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, sometimes when... You're, you're looking at something and you're like, okay, well, I actually am not finding any problem here yeah. from me. Yeah. <laughs> then it's kind of like that feel also. It's like I, I kind of, I could easily go into my head yeah. and do the thinking of, okay, well, here's the problem that I had. So I'm going to give you another one. Yeah. You so, think I'm the problem, and I think you're the problem. We're getting nowhere. Yeah. Well, one thing that occurred. Oh shoot! It slipped. It slipped my mind. That's how it. Um. Sometimes there is nothing wrong with you. Like, you know, sometimes, sometimes the answer is, Mm. I'm okay. Exactly. I'm okay and you're okay. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. It's so much easier that way, isn't it? Yeah. And and I love it. I actually do much prefer it when I can notice, take an example that doesn't feel emotional, you know, when you can't find the keys. Well, or the jack jar broke. I love figuring out that I was the problem. I really prefer that instead of thinking, well, you must have, no. It's much easier to notice that. So I I now try to notice, and I'm learning lots all the time because any interpersonal communication is across our differences. And we all have histories also. So whether you overreact or I overreact 90% because of our histories, having had those experiences, or 10, and only 10% about what actually you or I did or said, that gets blown up. That becomes a problem, a real problem. Yeah, that's, if we can just be in the present and go, forget yeah. our histories, but you know what you yeah, just exactly. said. Exactly. That's yeah. what I was going to say. I was yeah. like, if, if anybody, if everybody listening to this would just get that there's only now, mm-hmm. like, you know, what happened to you in 1977? is not what's happening right now that's gone you know what what happened last week was gone what happened an hour ago is gone like you can always have 
a fresh experience. Yes, and it's on its own. It's enough, and therefore, as and as no as um, nonviolent communication teaches, I'm only beginning to learn parts of it. It's like get rid of the history and all the big emotions, and just notice ah. It's as if, what did the video see? You raised your voice. Well, when you raised your voice, I felt anxious. Uh, and when I felt anxious, um, let's see, my needs were not being met because I'm trying to connect. But when I felt anxious, I couldn't be as open to what you were saying. So, Wow. And yeah, you were already gone. As yeah. soon as you start being anxious, you're already no longer in the moment. Yeah. So once I can do that, and then that makes, if you can really feel my authenticity and looking at my own place instead of judging you for causing it, then you're able to go, oh, thank you, Lewis. And, you know, I, now I can see maybe I did help start it because I said this or what. And I went, wow, thank you. But even before that, I said that. I mean, it becomes like, instead of judging each other, we start to just own whatever happened and start smiling about it and go, well, next time I'll notice that you feel that way. I'm really sorry I didn't notice. You know, I hadn't known that you feel that way about that. And thank you. And all I want to do is connect with you. So I'll do better next time. You know? So that's what it all comes down to. And you know, on a business on a business case, one of the things am I am I able technically to show a screen here or not? Uh, maybe. No. Well, okay, I know how to, but am right. I? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just that, that the audio people won't won't see it, but oh, this is only audio. No, no. it's audio and video, but okay. okay. So then I'll just describe it. All right. So picture. Let me come back to full screen here, so I see you. Um, full picture is that if you just take, uh, as I was saying before to you before we went on, if you take a normal shape curve, or I think I said this, and two normal shape curves, one is the old way of thinking and one is the new way. And the new way is newer, so it's underneath it, right? So on the part that's underneath it, you know, the old way is on top. That's my way. Or it could be my way and your way, or male and female, or black and white. It doesn't matter which way, but we all have stood at the top where we think our perspective is correct and yours isn't as good. And your suggestion is not going to work as well. In fact, we can prove that. We're, we're more profitable now doing it my way. But you have this new idea. But when we notice that the curve is going down and our old way of being a parent or a manager or whatever we do isn't working as well as it used to, there's a reason for that. One reason is this new way is making some good points. Even if it's only 10% of the points, listen. Okay, and things are changing, demographics change, needs, feelings. So when the new way starts crossing the old way in productivity or or you know, any 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 way you measure your success, that's called the turning point. Uh, and at that turning point, if you still continue to do things the old way, then it's easy to measure your retention rate loss and your profitability loss or whatever. And so we always, in every relationship, need to stay open to the other perspective. Now, as I said that, maybe you all remember what it's like to be there. But guess what? We also all know what it feels like to be down here with the other idea, the other perspective. We each know both. 
whether it's with mom and dad or, well, or work stop, we've each been at each, I don't mean all the time. I mean, we've each had moments to either think we're right on the top or to think we have a better idea on the bottom or the other perspective. And I like to think that because if we all think we can value and, and, and accept and own that we've each been in each place, then we can stop doing either to the other in a judgmental way and integrate, mm-hmm. yin-yang, integrate our differences towards something that works better for both of us. I think also there's value in stopping to qualify it as bad, good or bad, yes. and just being like, this is where I'm at right now. And so when you've been able to just accept, again, I'm coming back to the word accepting, yeah. when you can just accept where you're at without judging it as being right or being wrong. You can just be where you are and other people are where they're at. And you know how easy it is to get that concept when people aren't getting it because it's so complex. I, I, I go, uh, Jasmine, just get for a moment. You're looking through the screen at this white guy with a blue sweater on and a white shirt underneath and his gray hair and there's books behind him. I'm looking at a woman with uh, black glasses on and a black something wearing and those plants behind her. Well, this is trivial, but at least notice both of those truths, those opposite perspectives are equally true. Well, once we just get that everybody's perspective is as true as everybody else's perspective, that truth has to be big enough to encompass all of our perspectives. We're all the same in the way that we all have a perspective. Yes. And then we get caught up in my perspective is better than yours. Yeah. And, and that's just, it's just irrelevant. <laughs> it's just like. I much prefer that now that I'm learning, I much prefer to not know the answer because there's an opportunity for me to learn. I much prefer to listen to your perspective. And I'm very comfortable saying when you listen to me or I listen to you, hey, just take 10% if that's all that's relevant to you and leave the rest or take 90 and leave 10. But just take the part that you can use as a gift of learning for you and leave the rest. I think that when when we can step out of the judgment or the the thinking about the content, the, the, the content of a conversation or the content of a, an interaction, whatever it is, if we can just step out of talking and judging that and be with the true life energy of a heart beating yeah. A person loving. Yeah. A person breathing. Exactly. Then it just becomes. <sighs> it's so much easier. I know. My wife and I are so grateful every day. We go, oh my God, our prior spouses had affairs, lied to us. We didn't know what was the truth, what was happening. And now 
we're these weird people who think monogamy is the greatest intimacy on earth and truth and honesty and best friendship. It's like, oh, this takes no work. This is wild. We can live together. We can co-create a house that's twice as three times better than we could have done alone. You know, not to mention we create children that only two of us could have created or God, everything we can do and co-create together is way more than we could do alone. Yeah, I love the word co-create. Co-create is just such a beautiful word. I like uh, with my clients, that's all I do. I co-create. I mean, I know how to do a lot of things, right? But sitting with a client and feeling their energy and being able to take their energy and bring it into form makes me just like I I tell you and I got the goosies, you know, like. It's just like, it's a beautiful place to be at and to be able to see people go, yeah, that's it, that's it. Exactly. That's how they say loving, giving love is even better than receiving love. Yeah, that's what I say. If you want to feel love, give love. Because that's the only time you're going to feel it, really. The deepest. Think about it. That's right. Because love comes through you. Yeah. And you're the one generating the love. I just realized I didn't close my phone, so I'm turning my phone off. But, yeah, Yeah. I mean, the only time that you can actually feel love, you have to give love. Or not, don't have to. Forget the word have to, guys. Just (laughs) to feel love, give love. Yeah, and for people who feel like that's not business-like enough, that's too soft, I go, actually... The greatest learning I ever had was in a leadership class I took when they said to us, after I learned how to coach, we then did leadership. And they said, we're going to be together here for 24 hours. I mean, 24 seven for seven days. And we're going to do this four times this year. But each time we're together for a week, our purpose is to not only become our fullest self, but enable others to become their fullest self. Yes. And we can mirror with each other. And that degree of intimacy, they use the word on purpose, even though it freaks some people out. So they said, if you don't like that word, use the word trust, partnership, companionship, collaboration, whatever word you like. But they do this triangle. And I was so pleased to hear this because I live like this, but I never knew how to describe it so quickly. And they said, to fill this triangle with the greatest intimacy from the boardroom to the bedroom or at the grocery store, as you heard me say before, you have to have two, you have to meet two obligations. One, zero, down here in the corner, they wrote the word power. Zero power over or under one another. No matter what your title, your education, your job description, we can have different jobs. You can officially be my employee or I can be yours. But in our relating with equity, equalness, oneness, there's no power over or under. Just even when I do this, I can feel the difference. And in the other corner, it says zero. And I don't mean zero, but 5% power. No, no, no. Zero. Zero. Yeah. All right. And down here, zero sexualized energy. Zero. When we're making children, that's different. But our way of making love. Yeah. But here, in this relationship, zero. Not I'm more attracted naturally to this one and less naturally attracted to this one. That's fine. But here, we want zero energy either over or under one another based on any what we call natural. No. 
And once you get that, it's like, wow, I now have the most amazing relationships, not just with my wife and our four kids that I love that intimately, but outside my white male tribe where I play tennis with my friends, but most of them can't do this part with me. But, and not everybody can, but when I'm outside and I'm trying to be this authentic with a black woman, a black man, a new immigrant of any kind, some of them are able to go, wow, I feel your authenticity. Your, I, it just opens me to be just as authentic with you. And suddenly there we are. It's like in Avatar, the only line I liked in that whole first movie was, I see you. <laughs> and if I can see you and you can see me, it's like, bingo, now we can do together. We can be together, now we can do. We can do work and co-create your gifts and mine to get together toward the common goal we have. I couldn't have done it alone. That is relationship. Wow, Lewis, thank you so much. I think that this ends perfectly. <laughs> Great. <laughs> the it never ends. It just gets you. We just hang up and we keep doing it wherever yeah, we go. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. What so, a pleasure. Thank you. If anybody would like to reach out to you, how do they do it? Um, three ways. Lewis at Griggs.com is my email. L-E-W-I-S at G-R-I-G-G-S dot com. Okay. Number one. Number two, Griggs.com is my diversity website, www.griggs.com. Yeah. Number three, LinkedIn. Um, oh, there you go. Lewis Brown Griggs. Oh, and number four, YouTube has my yeah. all my near-death things, all my diversity videos I put on there free now. That's in YouTube on Griggs Productions. Um, has, Fantastic. Those are all the ways to reach me, and I reach back. Well, thank you very much. It was a very nice meeting you. Yeah. And I hope that... Um, Pleasure. I'm so glad you and my wife think of each other, that you're each wonderful. You're both correct. <laughs> yes, yes. She definitely is. <laughs> so thank you very much. I'm going to say to everybody who is listening to Just Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the Life You Want, and I'll see you next week. You take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye.